Welcome to Busted Biscuits. I'm Jen Stanley. And I'm Jill Super. And today we're talking about Flaky Layers Extended Family. Yes, we are. But before we dive into that, I want to give a quick announcement that we are getting close to our deadline for our biscuit banter for the month of April. So we have, we're planning to meet on April 14th, 21st, and 28th in Homer City, Pennsylvania. And so if you're interested in signing up for that, we would love to have you do that. You go to our website at bustedbiscuits.us. There's a chance we might could take you as a walk-in that night. It might impact whether or not you have a t-shirt that very first day, but we would we may be able to do that. So if you can't sign up, um, don't let that prevent you from coming. We, we'd love to have you join us if at all possible. Yeah, we're really looking forward to it. Yeah, it's going to be good. Mm-hmm. So what about this topic, Jill? How do you feel about extended family? It's very hard. I didn't. It was harder than I thought it was going to be. Um, there, like as you go back and look for stories when we were talking, kind of preparing and talking about some funny anecdotes that we could share with you guys, it was a little bit more difficult to pull some of those out. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes this these things carry some hurts, mm-hmm. you know, that haven't healed yet. It's that childhood stuff that you're carrying around. Yeah, and for so sure. yeah, so I think that um, that that may be part of the challenge, at least for the two of us, it has been. Yes, yeah. So. Yes. So I really wanted to approach this from like the family systems theory viewpoint. What is that? Well, it is a a theory for counseling that's been around since like the 50s and 60s that really talks about how um, there's that the family is a unit and that um, each member plays a specific role and, and respects certain rules. So like there's this dynamic that you have, like there's a certain way that my dad and I interact. There's a certain way that my mom and I interact. There's a certain way that my sister and I interact, like these unspoken rules that you don't talk about, but you get in these patterns of behavior and you act that way anyway. Interesting. I think one of that, it looks a lot like when you come back home, like, oh, for like Thanksgiving or for Christmas, or you haven't been together in a while, you come together as a family and you're adults, but you immediately go back to those childhood roles. So like you, you give the same joke to your sister or brother, you know, you talk about the same topics. Um, people sit in the same spots in their chairs and, and like you go into these things going, Oh, it's so great. I can't wait to see my family. And you leave that and go, <laughs> well, why did I think that was going to be so great? <laughs> you know, Because like we're, we're disappointed because we have this expectation like this is going to be so good. But like yeah. we end up in these same interactions that we've had for years that we don't care for, you know? And yeah. so uh, I think really my goal for today is for us to just kind of create awareness that these things happen. Like, I'm not really expecting a whole lot of change from this, but, um, I think sometimes like we're so close to what's going on. Like it's right in front of us. It feels, we feel the feels on these topics that we don't recognize it for what it is. So I'm wanting to give people like a 3000 foot view. So you're looking at what's going on and you can have an awareness of what's happening. So you see it for what it is. So should we not anticipate change out of this or? Well, no, I think you can, but at this moment, I want it to be about awareness. And okay. so like, I think you do have to start changing those things, but, and we can talk about that a little more later in the podcast, but, um, but it, it really it's, it's hard to change these things sometimes. Okay. You know, so just being as they happen, no, going into it, like when they happen, because they will happen, you everybody's got those stories, but when they happen, Pay attention. Yes. Know, what, know what it is. Know what's happening before, as yes. it happens. Yeah, see it coming. So um, because families and community and social relationships are reciprocal, treatment should not be directed at the systematic person. So um, that means that um, uh, you can't blame everything on like one person in a family unit. Oh, that's good. And so like you have to look at the system as a whole. So that's par- probably why I'm not crazy about doing... Um, 
like counseling with young children because I think that there's a family unit issue that you have to deal with. And so like just meeting one-on-one with like a six, seven-year-old, like that makes it difficult because it's not just necessarily what's going on with them. Like there's a whole family aspect of things that you have to look at. So like, it's really more about family interaction. Someone else may be better at a seven-year-old than I would be. But for me, it's like, I think there's more people involved that need to be in this room. I would agree with that. Just thinking back, like it made, when when you said that, it made me think back to some of the things that happened when I was younger and, and literally the therapy example, when we went to therapy and some of the things that were said, like, oh, that makes so much more sense now, mm-hmm. right? Because it is, it is a, you have to have the big picture in order to really yeah see what's happening. And so like there's these eight family systems concepts that we're going to go over. Um, and I think whenever we were talking through them before we got on the podcast, like you have gone, oh, interesting you know so, so they think, were eye-opening so if no one learns anything jill is learning I've something absolutely learned things on this podcast right again awareness like looking back you're like oh wow did not even realize that so we're giving you the tools to be able to look at it and say oh it, it could really fit into this and that makes so much sense now right so right and so uh the first thing is triangles which we talked about triangulation on the podcast before, but just in case you missed that episode, it's about where you, um, it says triangles usually have one side in conflict and two sides in harmony. So essentially you've, if a triangle is three people, you've got two people that line up together and they are pointed towards the tip of the triangle. And that person is the problem. And so like you align with someone to be against someone else. And so we talked about it in terms of friendships, but I think you can definitely see it in terms of families. Yes, for sure. For sure. That's how you end up like with a black sheep in the family, right? Yeah. The family like goes up against the other person. I can identify with that. Yes. Mm -hmm. Then number two is the differentiation of self. And so people's level of differentiation of self differs. Once formed, the self can only change after the person makes a long-term effort. So some develop a strong sense of self and become autonomous and confident. Others have a poor differentiation of self, and these people tend to rely on others for acceptance and approval. So differentiation of self is like having an individuation, like understanding who you are outside of your family. Like if you have a sense of self and what you've got going on, then you're going to be a, have a better chance of having healthy interactions with other people than you would uh, if you don't. So let me ask this question. I know we didn't really talk too much about this, but can you, if we have these healthy relationships and we can identify where these things are and what we, you know, what, what those triggers are. Should we avoid them? Avoid relationships? Oh, just avoid, avoid having the conversations with the people that might, might. Are you seriously asking me if we should avoid conversations? <laughs> okay, but <well>, never mind. <laughs> Would Jen Stanley ever say, let's avoid a conversation? Well, the way that you posed it, I was like, oh yeah, I, you can see it coming. So maybe just don't have that talk. Maybe don't go there. Maybe don't bring that topic up. Like, is it, is that something that you would want to do? I know we're going to talk about this later, yeah. but what? It, it, just sticks right, it jumped in just go. now. <laughs> I think what I would say, like, if you recognize that you're the one impacting the system, you could definitely stop it. Oh, that's good. Right. Okay. So if you're the one that's making the family joke, if you're the one that's poking at the person, if you're the one that's uh, making someone uncomfortable and you recognize it, then you, yeah, absolutely. You could stop and not have that conversation, Okay. you know, but, um, but otherwise I think you should want to try to work through things. Okay. Does that make sense? It does. Yes. Okay. Sorry. So do you understand what I mean by differentiation of self? Well, what do you think? Uh, no. Okay. I mean, I, I mean, I, I know who I am. Mm-hmm. Um, so the way that 
way that you kind of approached it made me think, okay, I know who I am. I know my worth. I know my value. I know that mm-hmm. like I'm going to stand strong in that and I'm not going to waver based on what someone else thinks of me or or may come at me with. Because mm-hmm. cause in my brain, what I think is these people have known me for a really long time all my life, right? Mm-hmm. And so they've seen all the good and they've seen a whole lot of the bad, right? Mm-hmm. And so sometimes in families, the, the bad outweighs the good. And so that's mm-hmm. what they what they tend to remember more. Mm-hmm. But I, I've had these examples with my kids where like we would be talking about something and I'd be like, I have no idea what you're talking about. I don't remember that at all. But they would be like, oh my gosh, mom, this was like so pivotal for me. And I yeah. thought, I don't remember that conversation. Right. <laughs> I understand that. So, yeah. so the example in the article that might make it make more sense is it says, John's parents are overprotective. They always look after him and deal with all his problems. They leave him no room for decision-making in childhood and adolescence. That sounds like a helicopter parent or possibly a lawnmower parent. (laughs) Listen to last week to know what we're talking about. 13A. Um, When John becomes an adult, he lacks confidence and is prone to group think. He quickly adjusts to what he thinks. He adjusts what he thinks and says to please his friends and coworkers. In his 30s, he marries a dynamic woman. He attaches himself emotionally to her and she does most of the decision making at home. So like not being differentiated and having a sense of ownership of yourself. You know, that that you have something to bring to the table or that, like, it's okay to have your own ideas, like, to trust yourself. Maybe it's about trusting yourself. Hmm. Like, trusting that you can do the right thing. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. That's kind of deep. That just popped Mm. in. So, yeah. I like that. Okay. Okay. Then we've got um, nuclear family emotional systems. So, it says that four key relationship patterns described where problems may emerge in a family. So, when we're talking about nuclear family, you're talking about usually who lives in your household. So like, you know, in a traditional sense, it's mom, dad, and siblings. Um, it could be in a single parent household. Um, if you have extended people that live with you, like it could be that. But it's really like those people that you interact with on a daily basis. Okay. So you can have marital conflict, um, dis- dysfunction in one spouse, impairment of one or more children, or emotional distance. So, okay, I'm going to let you talk about those a little bit. What do you think about, describe marital conflict in, in terms of what we're talking about. Um, I think it just more, it it's more around, um, like when we focus on what's wrong with someone else, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't like this about you, so I'm going to make that an issue. And mm-hmm. you don't like this about me, so you're going to make it an issue. Mm-hmm. And when we fight, that's the first thing we throw up in the air, right? Like, oh, this, this yeah. is this, this is, this is why, mm-hmm. because you don't, you don't like to make your bed in the morning and I do. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, that's, that's a silly example, but I don't th- make my bed. <laughs> I do make my bed. <laughs> Well, it's permanent, (laughs) although we don't fight about it. Okay, keep going. Um, Dysfunction in one spouse, um, where one tries to assert their opinion over the other one, I think is probably what that means to me. Mm -hmm. So where one is pretty, tries to be dominant and we, we acquiesce or we give in a a good portion of the time or agree with them a good portion of the time. And then one day we realize, I don't want to do this anymore. And and we feel that conflict develop Mm -hmm. right then and there. Well, and I think it too, it's like that both in the first one with marital conflict, like you're back, you're at each other's throats almost Mm -hmm. Um, with the dysfunction in one spouse. It's like both parties admit that this is the problem. Like Mm -hmm. the wife is always forgetful. So the wife believes she's forgetful. The husband treats her like she's forgetful. Right. And so like they both would admit that this is a problem or that they would say, yeah, I always forget things or, you know, yeah, I have a temper. Like they would agree that they have it. And that's part of their dysfunction. Hmm. Does that make sense? It does. But well, I got, I have to question this though. Cause you said the wife, he says the wife is always forgetful. And then she says, yeah, I'm forgetful. Is she really forgetful or is that just 
Like, mm. do we think she's forgetful? I mean, it depends, <laughs> right? Like, like, or we just someone's but, trying to manipulate the situation, right? I think okay. I'm trying to say that it's like they're putting them down, and like, and then they get that becomes their identity. Oh, okay. okay. So I'll I read the you. example in the article, so maybe it'll make more sense. Will forces his wife, Mary, to think or behave in particular ways. Mary yields to the pressure for several years to preserve harmony. Clearly, Mary makes most compromises in the relationship. If Will's pressure increases, Mary might develop social or psychological dysfunctions. Okay. Does that make sense? It does make sense, yeah. Okay. Anything else to, like, make it make more sense? No. You're good. No, I'm good. Okay, next one. Um, This one was impairment of one or more children. Um... I mean, you can read that example. I was going to say the parents' anxieties revolve around their son, Mike. They have a negative view of him as weak. The more they focus on Mike, the more Mike attaches himself to them and absorbs family anxieties. So by trying to prop him up, basically, they create anxiety and insecurity in him Mm -hmm. and where he may end up having trouble later on in life with believing that he can do things. Yeah, I think so. It says, this process troubles his differentiation. His high school performance or social life might be negatively impacted. So like basically the parents like hyper focus on a shortcoming of the child. And then that, that becomes the identity of the child. And so then he grows into that and like continues to live in that. Got it. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. Okay. And then emotional distance. Um, this is just when people drift apart in order to reduce conflict so you know in married couples or um parent-child relationships where Mm -hmm. where there's tension because there's disagreement in like say i'm a kid and i don't want to do what you have Mm -hmm. you have in mind for me we talked last week about dreams and letting those dreams die sometimes that can carry over for a really long time Um, but what happens is you risk isolation from that right so you you isolate in that family unit because nobody you know you don't feel like anybody agrees with you or maybe they're verbally saying they don't agree with you Mm -hmm. um so this is go ahead well i was gonna say this is one of those cases where absence doesn't make the heart grow fonder right right? so this is about yeah avoiding the conflict yeah so like you don't want to deal with it so you just separate yourself from it and so sometimes that can be healthy right like you're choosing not to engage like i have a sign in my office here that says you don't have to attend every argument you're invited to Mm -hmm. so that to me that's about being triggered for it right that's different than avoiding having the conversation, you know, or just like, I'm not going to go deep with you at all. Like those are different things. Avoiding having a conflict because you're getting sucked into an argument is different than I will not be talking about this at all with you because I don't want to mess with it. Right. Do you see the difference? Yes, I do see the difference. Yes. Okay. Number four, family projection process, the passing of emotional problems from parents to children. The parents believe that their son has low self-esteem and to boost his confidence, they repeatedly affirm him. As a result, the child's self-confidence becomes reliant on parent parental affirmation. Why is that a problem? Why do you think? Well, your parents aren't going to be there to tell you you've done good for everything. Right. Um, and, and who else do you then have to turn to in order to rely on that instead of trusting yourself? Correct. Yeah. So that like, that can kind of like ooze into other relationships, like Mm -hmm. either your married relationship or, um, your work relationship that like you really need affirmation from other people to feel like that you've done a good job. Like you don't know in and of yourself that you've done a good job. Yeah. And so that can kind of create this, this dynamic of you need that from your parent to function. I think though we all, I mean, I won't say we all, I know that I struggle with that and I didn't have affirmation. Mm-hmm. So, so is it because the lack of also creates that problem or? So do you need affirmation now? What do you mean? 
Uh, I you guess don't not. like I don't, it. I know I don't like Let's it. Let's rewind <laughs> to whatever episode that was that you're like, I don't want to be told I'm doing a good job. I don't. So I then don't. that, that so. need was not created in you. Okay. You know, like you kind of had to learn to function without it because it wasn't being met. Okay. Does that make sense? It does. Yeah. Yeah. But you should learn to let people say nice things about you. Eh. We're working well, on it. We're working on it. There. <laughs> okay. Number five, your sibling position. So this is kind of obvious that like, um, right. That the oldest ha- has certain traits. The middle has certain traits. The youngest has certain traits. Mm-hmm. Right. And so like, um, honestly, um, oh, society or I don't know. That's not the word I want. Um, I guess marketing companies have like capitalized on that. Cause you got those shirts that say, I make the rules. I defy the rules. The rules aren't for me. You know, whatever it is, like it's the oldest, middle, and youngest. Yes. And like, there is this guy on, I think it's TikTok that he has these funny videos and he like represents all three of the children, you know, in a, in, in the, the sibling order, you know, yeah. I'm and, on social media. I'm not on social media very much, but I do know that guy. I yeah. laugh every single oh, time. Oh yeah. Cause they're so relatable. <laughs> they're so funny. Mm-hmm. Cause, Cause I, having had like three daughters, I can definitely see it in them. And so yes. if growing up, it was just me and my sister. So those things aren't quite as clear cause we don't have the middle child, you know, to make those things different. But, um, I definitely see it in my own kids. Like the sibling order has this, these expectations. And so then like the oldest typically is responsible and, and, um, and manages things and is the boss, you know, and then the second child is usually more carefree and like silly and goofy and having a good time and lighthearted. And then, then the youngest is pretty defiant going, I'll do what I want. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So that you definitely can see that. Yes. Number six, emotional cutoff, the gesture of reducing or cutting off emotional ties with parents, siblings, or other group members. This is seen as a way of handling unresolved emotional matters. So at first glance, relationships seem better when there's less emotional contact. And in reality, the problems are still lying dormant. So in the same way that, that there is emotional distance that we talked about a second ago, this is about like cutting people off. So this yeah. is about not willing, like, oh, we're fine because we don't talk about it or we're not going there anymore or we're not doing that. And so like, but those things are still under the surface. Yeah. It, it kind of thinks. Neither are good. No, it's kind of like if you had a rug and like you put toys underneath the rug, <laughs> you know, like the rug looks smooth, but like you can definitely tell there's a bump there, right? And so you're going to stump your toe. Something's going to happen for that. Number seven, multi-generational transmission. Excuse me, transmission process. So what that means is like we um, transmit things from our original family to our own children. And so there's like these four steps. I'm going to read all four of them because you need to hear them to, for them to make sense. So the steps of multi-generational transmission are these. Number one, as seen before, some children have more self and others less self than their parents. Imagine two siblings, siblings, Jim and Betty. Jim grows to be a confident and calm-headed man while Betty is somewhat insecure and anxious. Jim selects a partner or a spouse with similar level of differentiation, an assertive and clear-headed woman. Likewise, Betty chooses a husband that seeks her approval or recognition. Because Jim's marriage is more differentiated than his parents, his children will be so too. Accordingly, Betty's kids will be less differentiated than she or her husband are. So one generational line, Jim's, becomes progressively more differentiated, while the other, Betty's, becomes less differentiated. This explains marked differences between the members of multi-generational families. For example, Jim's grandchildren might become successful professionals and contribute to society. By contrast, Betty's grandkids might lead chaotic personal lives and depend on others to sustain them. Mm. So what did you hear? Uh, I heard if it's, ba- <laughs> if it's bad, it gets worse. <laughs> well, not it doesn't have to. Okay. That's so terrible. Okay. 
Okay, so let's just say this. So, like, you know that if you take a second and look at this, you can see how it applies. Yeah. So then, like, you've got these siblings. And so they, they are in that original family, have the same mom and dad, and they have different personality traits, right? And so then they seek different spouses. And so then these things are passed on to their children. And so, like, it almost like... It's almost like a V. If the base of the V mm-hmm. is with the parents, like I'm making my fingers to do that. So it's like Ving out in opposite directions based on their own personal experiences. And so that's why you like have cousins a couple years down that you're like, this is so weird. Like we don't have anything in common with them. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like th- these are differences because um, they've just gone different routes mm-hmm. a little bit. And so, you know, you know, you have weird cousin Eddie or whatever that is. So do you see that at all? Like any patterns like that, either maybe your own family or other people that you know that you've seen that happen I do I feel like um I do I feel like I've seen it change though for the better Mm -hmm. like I could see I can I can totally see where that that continues like that path could just continue if you didn't if you didn't know any different right right like and if both your parents are then like I think about Betty and picking a husband who's just like her and then they both need affirmation and then that Mm -hmm. continues and continues and continues and so you know, the helicopter, lawnmower, whatever parent, that pattern just, I can see why that happens. Right. Um, I guess, I guess the good thing to know is that you can change it. Right. You definitely can. Yeah. Absolutely. And so being aware of it is really an important thing to do that with. So the last one for the options was an emotional, emotional processes in society. So essentially the, the author is saying that when our families are broken, then you can see that society is broken. And so like um, how we interact with society um, is kind of reflective of how we interact with our families. And so it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, you can definitely can see, see that. that. Do you want us to talk any more about that one? Uh, no, I think I think when I first read that, I was like, wow, you know, it, it talked about a period of time where there was a lot of crime and violence and things were happening and there was a lot of um, unrest. And, and so it created you know, families that kind of carried forward and we Mm -hmm. were born into those families. And now we're in a different period of time and there are different types of unrest and and dissatisfaction in society as a whole. And so Mm -hmm. those have influenced, you know, how our kids are, are raised. Um, and you know, 30, 40 years from now, it's going to be completely different again. Right. Each generation kind of goes through, um, different patterns and, and things that happen, whether it's, you know, in the, in, like politics or all of those things mm-hmm. influence in, in one way or another. But the more broken we are, which is why we do this, we're, we're doing what we're doing. Yeah. Um, you know, trying to, to make, make people see that you can have healthy relationships, that you can be in a healthy place, that you can, that you can not own all of the things that you've carried forward and your families have carried forward and they've kind of brought you to this point. You can lay them down and, mm-hmm. and let it go and walk away from it and be like, I, I don't need to carry this with me forward. I can I can put it down right here. It may still bother you. It may still stick around uh-huh. a little bit, but it doesn't it doesn't define who you are any longer. Right. And I think that that really is some emotional work that has to be yeah. done. Like that's not an easy thing. Like um like there's a class that we do at our church that's the freedom class and so in that we we work about on these things quite a bit. And so um it's my favorite oh, class. Oh, same, it's same. <laughs> I didn't get to do it this spring just because my schedule has been so hectic, but I'm looking forward to going back to it in the fall. So like Todd and I will get to do that again in the fall and I'm I'm ready. I missed it. You know, it's it's just such a good thing. And so um but but I think like to give some practical examples of like uh, family systems that we may or may not be aware of. So like thinking about my own family. So Todd and I, and then we have our three girls and Ari, our grandbaby at our house. 
And so like, I think I could ask my girls, like, who do you go to for these certain things? And they could tell you. So like, mm-hmm. um, if they forgot something, they're going to have to call their dad because I can't answer the phone because I'm in session right? <laughs> and I'm not going to. Right. So they're like, that's his role for our families. If they are going to need to forget something, okay. which, uh, in light of the lawnmower conversation, <laughs> that may not be a good example for me to be saying, <laughs> but <laughs> Oh dear. So okay. So yeah. good. Like, okay. Yeah. Light bulb moment. I'm just like, oh yeah. yeah okay. Um, but like if they're wanting to go do something, it's usually me that they're going to ask. Right. Um, and if they're wanting to buy something, it's usually me because they are our manager money in the family. So like, I know when we can buy and when we can't or whatever, you know? <laughs> and so then they would definitely ask me over asking Todd. Um, I think in like my childhood, like growing up, my dad was the one that would fix things. Like if you needed something built, that's who you go to. Like anytime we were remodeling as a, an adult and like, you know, as married to Todd, like my dad would always be involved in those remodeling projects. Like he knows how to do things. Now Todd's to the point where he could do them on his own, but like he got there because he was spending time with my dad learning how to do those things, oh, you know, and that. then implementing it. So yeah. yeah. And then they just work really well together. And so they've developed that dyna- dynamic together. Um, and then my mom's like who I go to for spiritual stuff. Like, you know, I can talk to her about things that are going on in, in my spiritual life and either struggles I'm having or successes I'm experiencing. Like, she's someone I can share those things with. And so, like, I have this this dyad with her. So, this is how we interact. So, yeah, I think in our house, it's kind of similar. Uh, Matt would be the one to go to for the things. Mm-hmm. I think I offer the emotional support and the I'll show up no matter what uh-huh. kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and then each of the girls have, like, their their different strengths now that you're now that you're saying that yeah I can see where they they each have now taken a, a different role especially as adults um mm-hmm. they've taken a different role Nathan is Mr. Handyman and that's his business like he uh-huh. started his own business and he's got that going and he he knows how to use his hands yeah for sure that's and then good. Caroline yeah she's she's the personality in the family she's the humor well and that girl knows how to do her makeup <laughs> yes she does man if I, yeah if I need some tips <laughs> I can talk to her she knows yes she's serious about that she's very good with the eyelashes mm. too. <laughs> yes this is true um I also thought about um like something with my sister so um one of the things that I really cherish from our childhood is um us like riding roller coasters together like I, we did that a lot as a kid. And so that, that would be another like role. Like my dad always rolled, rode the roller coasters. My mom always held our stuff <laughs> while we rode. Right. And so then, um, a love for roller coasters is something that I think that my dad kind of instilled in us. And so, so much so that on my 40th birthday, what I wanted to do to celebrate was for my sister and I to go to Cedar Point in Sandusky, Ohio, which has like 17 different roller coasters and like it's the most <laughs> most roller coasters at some point I think it's still true the most roller coasters at any theme park and we purchased like the go to the front of the line pass <laughs> and we we rode all 17 roller coasters on my birthday Aww. and we had a headache when we were done <laughs> and like we both just like oh this like that last one really did us in like we had we rode all of them but like it was such a good connection um to my childhood you know to be able to share that with her and so oh, so sweet. She and I scream very similarly on the roller coasters, like so much so that whenever all the grandkids are, are my nieces and nephews and my kids are together, then they can go, oh, there's mom and Aunt Kelsey or there's, <laughs> there's, there's mom and Aunt Jen, you know, because we scream the same way. And so like, that's something that I really value. Yeah. And then um, thinking about to being, I remember one time that I'd been sick in the, at nighttime. So this is in childhood. And um, I think I had called for my mom. And so like one time my dad asked me, how come you don't call for me when you're sick? I'm like, 
okay. You know, so whenever it was the next time that I needed something in the middle of the night, like I holler for dad, dad. And so <laughs> my mom said that he like took his toe and like poked her and said, go see what she wants. <laughs> it's like, that this is why. Is why. <laughs> yep. Because mom's getting up. She's going to come. Now, if it's something serious, if I was bleeding or whatever, my dad would have taken care of that. But like, just to see what I needed, that was a mom thing, you know, for sure. So I knew who to call, if, you know, in the middle of the night. It's like, this is why these things happen. That's so, so funny. And so th- those are kind of some lighthearted things, but I think sometimes we have uh, deeper systems that we're involved in and that we get sucked into and we don't necessarily realize we're getting sucked into it. Yeah, I would agree. And so you end up in a family situation where, where the same things that made you mad last year are making you mad this year, okay. you know, or, or you feel like you have to act a certain way when you're with your family. So I, I think it's important to be aware of it. And it may be something that you need to work through in therapy, like having, having someone, you know, talk you through those things and figure out where the reality is, where the truth is, because sometimes we, we believe lies that our family speaks over us or speaks to us or that becomes a pattern, you know? And so like being aware of what those are, I think is really important. Yeah. That was one of the questions I wrote down for you. How do you learn to trust yourself? So having someone walk you through this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, having someone weigh in about it, right? Like check in about those things. Like, Hey, this is something that I'm caring for my childhood that my parents said about me, my siblings said about me, grandparents, who, wherever that message came from, like, this is something that I'm carrying. Do you see this to be true in my life? Hmm. You know, and and let them speak into that for you. Someone that you trust, someone that you've been vulnerable with. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that's a good thing. I also think that, that our spouse can be a good person to tag into that because they're an outsider coming into the family. Yeah. I think that's a great point. Yeah. And so then they can see when the dynamics are happening because you're like, what just happened? Like, I know that there was a time that I could recognize some dynamics with my husband, with Todd and like his brothers and going, uh, I just... That was totally like younger brother scenarios right here. Like I see this happening. And so like being able to mention it and call it out. So sometimes someone that's not in the family can see it even better Mm -hmm. if they're around in those environments. So I would agree. Any questions or anything else that you think about for that, that, that pops out to you? I don't, I was just really like, how do you, how do you break that cycle? Like of, of being identified in that way. And so, yeah. Like to your point, I don't know that that's necessary. I think just knowing that you're in that moment and and really not um, not allowing it to take over mm-hmm. for the rest of it and and just kind of keep moving through it and be done with it. Yeah. So a few years back, I remember making the decision that like if I wouldn't say it to my friend, I'm not going to say it to my sister, right? Because there may be ways that I would talk to my sister you know, like, why are you wearing that? You know? And so, <laughs> and so like that, like that doesn't go over well, right? Yeah, That's not yeah. a good thing. And so like, if I'm not going to say it that way to my friend, why would I say it that way to my sister? Like I need to respect her as much as I do my friends. And so like, I made a decision that I'm not going to communicate with her in ways that I wouldn't do with my friends. I have no idea if she's noticed or not. <laughs> I really don't know. <laughs> but, but it was a decision that I made because I wanted to like to, to offer respect in that. And so, um, so I think it's being aware of it. When you notice that there's a pattern there, no, try to figure out what your role is. Like, are you the one that's creating this, this um, system? Mm-hmm. Are you the one that's feeding it as like in a triangulation situation? Or are you on the receiving end of it? It's like watching these dynamics and these interactions and then making a decision about how you're going to respond. Yeah, I think, I think for me, that was probably the one thing that, when we first talked about this and we were prepping for this, I, it kind of stuck with me. And now as you're going back through it again, I'm thinking, oh my gosh, like it, it, it is me in some cases, right? Mm-hmm. Like even if we don't want to be 
the one, it is me who's starting that conversation or bringing up that joke or, you know, saying, remember this time. And and we don't know how it impacts someone else. And so we do Mm -hmm. need to be cognizant of that. And so I I was able to identify that. I know I don't do that very often, but I will say that I there are some moments where I'm like, oh, it's going to make me rethink whether or not I bring this topic up with people. Right. So, well, so there's someone that I'm working with that um, she disclosed that um, like she's very successful in her career and has done very very well, but her family like sees her as like a screw up, and so anytime the family gets together, they um, they like review all the times that she screwed up and then they mm-hmm. laugh about it, and she's like you guys are not noticing that I have like three graduate degrees and I, you know, and I'm successful in these areas. You're just continuing to like to poke at me and -hmm. bring me down because that's what this family's used to doing. Yeah. Right. And so I think that kind of stuff happens a lot that because this is how the family's been interacting, they don't allow you room to change and grow. Right. Like there's, there's someone in my life that I think expects me to act the same way at age 44 that I did at age 16. Like they've not given me that space to grow and to trust that I'm not the same person anymore. And so, um, so I'm waiting for that moment for them to understand I'm not the same person. And that may never, ever happen for me. Right. That may never happen. Um, cause I'm hoping that when they see me as who I am today, that it, there won't be the same problems that there, that there were. Right. Right. Um, but I do think oftentimes we get in these patterns and, um, and then you you feel like a victim sometimes in Mm -hmm. those moments, right? Because like the same, it hurt as a kid and it hurts as a grown up. And so, um, I would love to encourage people to be aware of these dynamics, you know? And so pay attention. Are you the one poking it? Are you the one receiving it? Are you the one partnering with someone to do that? Yep. So do you need to change how you speak to them? Do you need to change how you're taking it and listening it and hearing it? and not internalize it and not, not Mm -hmm. choose to make that your identity. Mm -hmm. Um, or, you know, do you, do you speak into it and just make, make people aware and, and, you know, if change happens, great. If not know that next time you're just going to lay it down and not walk away from them, but, but not, uh, not hold on to that and carry it with you. Yeah. So when you say lay it down, it's like that you're not going to like, you're not going to leave it on you. Yes. You know, it's like taking off a coat, like you're going to leave it there. Yes. Mm -hmm. I think that's good. I had another thought and it just totally left me. Oh no. It's totally fine. It's okay. Um, it's okay. I think. Okay. <laughs> mm, I guess I'm not supposed to say it because it disappeared. <laughs> so if I need to, well, I can say it in another episode. I there suppose. you go. So anyway, um, I, I'm really, I think there's things that can be done here. I think, you know, creating awareness is really our goal and just making sure that you, uh, oh, I, no, it came back. It came back. It came back. It came back. <laughs> it always does. I know, right? So what it was is um, that when you are aware of these dynamics and the like, when the th- three things we talked about, if you're if you're the one receiving it, really more if you're the one pushing it and the one partnering with it, if, that, if that's you, if you're comfortable, which I hope that you are, take time to ask the person that's on the receiving end how they feel about that. Mm, yeah. You know, like, hey we've been joking about you doing this thing, you know, for 10 years. How do you feel about that? You know, like maybe this is probably not a dinner table discussion. This is like, we're standing outside together or sitting quietly by ourselves. Like it's not like a, a <laughs> in whole, front of everybody, right? This is not, <laughs> don't a, do it at the Easter table the next correct. Sunday. <laughs> right. Don't make it like, it's not a full on family conversation, but I think you, it would be beneficial to, to, yeah. um, to kind of ask the person, Hey, how do you feel about this? You know, like if mm-hmm. you are picking up on something that this isn't a good thing, check in with them. Let them tell you. you. You might be surprised that they would be thrilled to say, yeah, this is something that hurts me. I don't want to talk about it, you know, or this. And then you can change. Yeah. So I, I think that. that those things are important. So, okay. I think that's all I have. 
All right. So we will put a link to the document that you, you can. You yeah. We, okay. Yeah. I can do that. On the website. Yeah. I can do that. And then, um, next time we're going to talk about this, our last flaky layers, which yes, is about work, is. work relationships, work relationships. And so we're going to talk about that next week. And so, uh, and then we'll move on to other exciting topics that we've got listed because we got a long list of things to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be a while. But we are looking for other ideas That's and, true. and thoughts on those topics. So if you've got something, uh, make sure that you message us, bustedbiscuits3 at gmail.com. Yep. And let us know your thoughts on, on what we've talked about, if there's anything you'd like for us to dig in deeper to, um, or, you know, ideas for topics uh, for the future. Yeah, that would be awesome. Yeah. So until next time, when we bust some biscuits. Bye, Deb.